Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning. Hey, that's a lively crowd. Man, that extra hour of sleep works well, doesn't it? Hey, my name is Jason, and I'm glad you're here in the loft this morning. We're starting a new series, and today, you know, it's 30 days to live. 30 days to live, and we're excited. And if you want to hear this sermon again, it'll be up on our podcast. I hope and encourage you guys are checking those things out, www.centerpointdanville.com. You can send it to one of your friends through the week if you thought it was really cool, uh, or maybe had a good point, or or maybe you just dozed off because of all the sugar rush that you're now experiencing from last night's, you know, either you pulled the taxes in from your children's trick-or-treating, or maybe you just... As a parent, just said, it's all mine, you know, and you, just, you enjoyed those Reese cups. Come on, you bunch of sinners. Um, and Skittles and everything else. Uh, but may, maybe, maybe, you know, it's just one of those moments of clarity uh, that you just allowed to sit back and realize, man, 30 days to live. I never really, never really thought about it. But what if, what if 30 days to live is, is where we're at today? So we launch them. We're launching 30 Days to Live, and to be honest, we're, we, it's one of those moments of, of clarity for me. Um, have you ever had it happen to you yet? Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, man, I only got 30 days to live? They just pull you up into a conversation and say, I only got 30 days to live. It sort of just allows you to check life at the door, doesn't it? I just dove straight into the sermon, by the way. There's no bumper here this morning, because I think it's really important for where we're heading. Um, just to let you into my life, those, those famous words uh, were presented in my life uh, about 10, 12 years ago now, and uh, it happened with my, my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, and it really wasn't 30 days, it was more like 120 days. And those moments, when I remember those moments, it happened quickly. And I remember it was December 26th when we got the news. And I remember quickly that, you know, we just sort of fell to our knees and asking God for guidance. And it it just happened that we were just asking for favor. It wasn't 30 days. It was 120 days, four months. And those four months were true. I mean, 26 to 26, and she died. Now, she's in a better place, for sure, because cancer had the best of her. It leveraged everything of her body. But the truth is, have you ever had someone say those words to you? And what would you change? Have you ever experienced those words in your family? How would you act differently? You know, that alone should get your mind working right now. That alone should allow you to just drop those bumpers that you got you coming up here. And for the very first time, you're like, what is all this stuff? Those, those words should allow you to just drift into a, a, a consciousness with God saying, you know what? I've never really put that on the table yet because I am what? I'm Superman. I'm invincible until the flu hits you and knocks you down, right? Yeah, that ain't nothing compared to some of these other wrecked diseases out there. It's amazing how life starts to change. You know, I had someone ask me this week, you know, hey, are you trying to tell us something, 30 days to live? No, I hope not. Uh, I do have a head cold, but, you know, some antibiotics. 
I'm good to go. So, uh, but I hope, it's, I hope it's more like, you know, 30, 40, maybe even 50 more years of life to live. That'd be 110, but that'd be great. You know, I, I, I could, I could hang, handle that. I, I would get to walk my, my, my daughter down at age, you know, 109. I'm good with that. And, and so uh, it would be great just to experience life to the fullest as long as I possibly can, as long as this body allows me. And, and I am dying. I think we're all dying. You know, the, the clock is, is half over for some of you. Maybe it's a little bit further than that. Only God knows that. But I do remember this. You know, there's a song that I really enjoyed, you know, back in my 90s. And, and you know, before country music took its country, whatever this is now, you know, it's, it's not really country music. It's more like, I don't know, you can name it whatever you want to. It's a country station, but it's not country music. But back in the day, it was country music, you know. Uh, Tim McGraw, Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson, those are some good old boys. And um, maybe you go further back, but Tim McGraw had a, you know, a song, and I have the CD, and I still jam with it occasionally. I know that, puts, that ages me just a little bit, but, you know, don't judge me. And, and it's just one of those moments of, you know, maybe you remember this song, but it's called what? Live Like You Were. Yeah, you've heard that song. You know, live like you was dying because when I went skydiving, I went, what, Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull name. See, you heard that song. <laughs> I'm not crazy. And I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter and I gave forgiveness I've been denying. It's interesting that a country song can speak truth, but we struggle to follow even the words we sing when we get so happy in that comfort zone of it's just me. Forgiveness I've been denying. You know, I posted it up on, um, I posted it up on Facebook, Facebook this week, you know, what, what would you change? And there's some people that private messaged me. Some people just put it out there, but some people just private messaged me and they said, I would forgive more. Why not do it now? I would prioritize more. And some people said, I'm doing it right now. I'm living it out right now. And that got my mind thinking. Maybe somebody in this room has already been given these words. You have 30 days to live. What does that change? How are you going to love sweeter? How are you going to forgive more? How are you going to go climb that mountain or maybe even ride that bull? What if we all begin to live that way? You know, one of the visuals that I, I have, you know, is, is this. And it's just a visual that allows us to see a better picture of anything else that I can imagine, you know, how to describe life, especially through the hour or a sand glass. And the sand glass, you know, I really didn't know it, but, you know, it was invented in Alexandria at around 150 B.C., 
And we really don't use them anymore. Let's just be truthful, we don't. But they're more for show or decoration. Uh, but there's something fascinating about them. I don't know. I just find myself attracted to them. And, and, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just the sand trickling through or just the way we can visually see time escaping. It's like that old saying goes, and maybe you've heard of it. Um, it's, like, it's like the sands through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. You know, I don't watch that show, but I'm just saying for those who do, you need Jesus. But it's just, it's true. The days of our lives, man, are just sort of trickled. They're trickling through. And some of them, some of you guys are wasting time. You're wasting time that you have with your family. You're wasting time, valuable time that you have with your friends. You're wasting valuable, precious minutes that you have to live for Christ. All because of one thing. It's selfishness. At the end of the day, it's selfishness. And you have to own it. And by the way, that's not an hourglass, that's 10 minutes. And so, you know, that's three more times we can flip it over if you want to keep clock on me. But it's just, imagine if you were told you had 30 days to live. And that's a 30-day glass. How would this change your perspective? How would you start to, start to really live life like you were dying? Would you begin to live differently? Would, you, would your overall perspective of things change? Assuming you wouldn't quit living, I mean, like a turtle drawn up into their shell and become depressed and just like, you know what, who cares? I'm dying. The news actually could have a positive and profound influence on your life and how you view time left. You see, the idea of of living like you're dying can be an eye-opening experience for all of us this morning. It would be the influence you could spend time with what you would spend time doing, what you view to be truly important. It would provide a chance to see the crystal clear truth about what your life is all about. You always hear that. At the end of my life, I want people to remember me by fill in the blank you would have the profound opportunity to live it out. When people do hear this news, it drastically changes when our paradigm about our existence shifts. We start living what? A life with no regrets. A lifestyle that really just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm dying. And I'm chasing after God. I'm going to go after him with everything I have left. With my very last breath. I mean, this is, this changes everything when we hear these words. This means our following our passions, the thing that drives you and gets you up in the morning. And maybe doing something we never would try. Like riding that bull, what, named Fu Manchu. Embracing each moment from each turn that buck this right here thrown. And who cares if you break a bone? You tried it. 
It's living life to the fullest and going, I'm all in. I have nothing left and I trust you, Jesus, with every last breath. When we have our whole life ahead of us, it can be tough to accept this perspective because we feel like we have our whole life, this whole amount of time, this whole hourglass full of years. And you know who's the worst with this? Teenagers. Come on, just be honest. Oh, it's okay. I don't need Jesus. I mean, I I remember my teenage life. I do. I've also worked with a lot of teens, and you can just see, you know what? It's okay. I I can, you know, it's it's fine. Who cares? I can live it this way, and, you know, I'll, I'll make up for it when I turn, what, 20. And then when you turn 20, you're like, you know, this is great. This is all fine. You know, I got Jesus. Yes, I do. But your lifestyle is so far from it. It's not dedicated to to following the commands. It's, It's really not following anything. You're just radically out of control. You're just enjoying the moments. And then you're like, ah, who cares? We'll just get back into church. We'll get back into really following what God asking from us when we turn, what, 30 and we have children. We're really getting more involved when we turn. And then you hit 30 hits, and all of a sudden you're like, you know, you got this game, you got this stuff, you got kids running everywhere, you got trick-or-treats, and you got, name it. Life is kind of out of control, and you don't know why. And then you're like, well, you know, when I turn 40, I'll get back into the swing of things. I'll start following more. Time is still escaping you. And then all of a sudden, life hits. And you begin to wonder, is the hourglass half full or half empty? I don't have much time left. My, my, man, back in the day, you say, back in the day, I remember way back when. I, I should have tried that back then. Why not try it now? There's no better time than to try it now, especially if Jesus is commanding us to what? Follow him. Though many people show that their living life to the fullest can be done now, they just sometimes seem to allow time to escape them and come up with excuses. I'll do it tomorrow. The famous last words, right? Or I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it next week. Or we'll have them all said and done and, and then we'll just keep on moving forward and keep on moving forward. And then you move into like Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia area and, and you get to those folks who are just, they're always living for, for the moment and they're called rednecks. And they're like, what's the famous last word, you know? Hey, watch. Yeah, watch this. And the next thing you know, they're just like on YouTube all over because they did something stupid. Here's the thing why I said that. What if you, hey, watch this. And you're following Jesus from a teenager all the way to before you hit 40. Before half the sand glass gets halfway empty. Before time escapes us. Or I'll do it next week. Or I'll do it when I turn 21. Or I'll turn it when I turn 30, 40. I'll, I'll, I'll move into that when I get settled in. Well, instead of just doing it that way, what if we, what if we literally decided to go all in with the time God has given you today? Before we hear these words, you have 30 days to live. You see, you might not be ready to give up your life 
the total overhaul, the total all-in. But I hope you can apply what you can hear from the sermon today and start living life to the fullest now by living like you only have 30 days to live. If you can start to do that, if you can start to camp out and move into that today, I promise our perspective of why we celebrate Thanksgiving is going to be much grander. Gobble, gobble, gilb is coming up, and it's going to change everything. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner, and the Jesus gift, your whole aspect of what it means to give is going to change the way you shop. Shopping is coming up, guys. It's, it's here. And it's beautiful when we start to understand This is not my life, it's his life. How can I bring him more glory with the time I have remaining? You see, in the book of Psalms, most scholars would agree that in Psalms chapter 90, it's written by Moses. And this is the same Moses that wrote the Ten Commandments, parted the Red Seas, walked around for 40 years seeking God and all of his glory. The psalmist records in Psalms 90 verse 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a what? A heart of wisdom. We're going to stay on that verse for the next three or four weeks. To gain a heart of wisdom. I hope your heart, you have a heart change, not a head change, not a head knowledge, but a heart change. And you start to trust God with all your heart. And if there's one person we can lean in today and learn from, it's Moses. Because here's a man that knew life was coming to an end and all he wanted, all he desired, and asked to learn all the way to the very end so he can gain what? A heart of wisdom. Not wealth, not fame, not a long life. Heart of wisdom. And I think for all of us this morning, I think, if I'm honest, we need some wisdom. I just do. I think a lot of us struggle with making the right choices. I think a lot of us struggle with with making that wise choice in the current circumstance. And it seems like we have clarity when we don't have much time. And so what does it look like to live like you were dying? I would say, if you got this news, you have two choices. You would run, or you would embrace it. You would try to avoid it, or you would encounter it for all it's worth. I would pray that I would be obedient to what God is asking from me. Living out that talent that you have, that you've been given, See, a lot of you in here right now, I know there's so much talent in here, and we could do so much more with that talent. We talk about three things here, time, talent, and tithe. And I know there's some talent here that we haven't even begun to see yet, but you're just sitting on it because you're like, ah, there's so much better. They can sing so much better. Or, you know, they're serving over there. Come on. Let's roll up our sleeves together and let's let our light shine. Do what God's asking you to do. What about if it's embracing forgiveness and gratitude? 
A lot of you just need to walk across the room and forgive the person that really ticked you off last week. You're going to enjoy so many more joys. Or maybe it's that gratitude of just being thankful. Or maybe it's the hardest one of all. It's loving thy neighbor in all things, not just some things. Or for some of you, it's this one. It's beginning to tell your Christ story for the first time. We go a whole life and never share the gospel in our very end. What does that mean for you? We sort of sneak into our our world and we never get to tell our Christ story, our experience. I pray today that it's, it's maybe all those things. And you're maybe starting to seek him out to enjoy him today for the very first time because it could be your last one. And maybe that's the heart of wisdom that Moses was talking about. Think about it. 4.6 million people die on this earth per month. 4.6 million people on earth die per month. And it looks like this. 55.3 million people die on this earth planet per year. That's 151,000 people each day. That's 6,316 people die each hour. And that's 105 people that die each minute. You don't think this is important? There's people dying in front of us and we don't even recognize it because we just think we're living in our own little hourglass. It's mine. The reason I haven't decided to go all into all these details, the reason why I've decided to go with all this detail is because until we see it, until we hear it, we really don't believe it, do we? We're just like, oh, it's just another number. But it's true. You don't believe that you're dying until the doctor comes in and says these words, I've got some bad news. We never saw the urgency of eating healthy or living a better lifestyle because we had other priorities in our life to live out. Let me say it this way. If we could flip our spiritual walk into what it would look like at this and just bring it into a spiritual realm, this is what it would sound like. When I see spiritual urgency, then I understand the spiritual priorities. When I start to see spiritual urgencies, then I understand the spiritual priorities. Let's flip it back and go this way. If you're asleep in your house and your house catches on fire, and it could happen, what are you going to grab first? What's the first object that you're going to grab? I mean, you're going to run around with your head cut off, go, my house is on fire, my house is on fire, my house is on fire, and just give up? Or are you going to try to say some things along the way? Are you going to go to the refrigerator and pull up on the front of the door and say, oh, I got to grab the guadis from last night. That's some good food, you know, and, you know, and save that. You know, it's expensive food. I mean, is it, are you going to go grab, you know, your trophies from high school? Oh, man, I was, you know, I was MVP. <laughs> Got to have that one. Are you going to grab those? Or are you going to actually go wake up your wife? <laughs> some of you are thinking about that one. I don't know. Maybe we need some marriage counseling. It's just, you know, what, which one are you going to grab? Which one are you going to wake up? You're going to grab the pictures on the wall that you just can't replace? Or maybe it's that family heirloom that's been in your, your, your life for a very long time. It's been passed on to you. You see, it's that urgency that we, we got to have to act.
act because our priorities have just been shifted. There's been a moment of clarity. Your house is on fire. What are you going to do? You see, what Jesus desires for us is to see the spiritual things that can change our life. Because he does not want us to wait to the very end. He wants you to live with urgency. He wants you to really be passionate. And so this is the question that I have for all of us this morning. Is who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? We say his name. We sing about him all the time. But who is Jesus to you? What's the point? I mean, the whole point of him coming in the form of a baby... And then living life to its fullest, and then giving up his last breath, what's the point? Was it just to have a good story? Something to do during Christmas time and Easter? What's the point? You see, Jesus describes this, this or through his brother James, he says, Life is like a vapor, it's here today and gone tomorrow. James in chapter 4, verse 14, he records it this way. It says, why? You do not even know what happens tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And he's saying, he said, listen, guys, your life is so, so, it's trickling. It's nothing. It's so small in the big grand scheme of things. It's like a small vapor. It's here. And then it's gone. What are you valuing Who is Jesus to you? We put a lot of stock into things around us and we try to get all and accumulate everything we can. We try to live this way. Sometimes we live this way and we we start to get this way. Because we hoard. It's all about us. And we're not living a healthy lifestyle or a prioritized lifestyle for Jesus which allows us to give of our time, our talent, and our top. It affects us in ways. And you might say, you know, hey, listen, I'm with you so far, but that's just not fair. It's not fair for me to have to give away all this stuff, and I understand death, and it's coming, and I get it, and you know, everybody dies. I'm with you. But I I just don't understand everything and and it's just not fair that I have to do it this way. I have to live this way. And you're right. It's not fair. But sin robbed us of fairness a long time ago when it entered into the garden and we took a bite out of the apple because of our own desires, our own selfishness desires. We adopted this idea today of 30 days to live simply because everybody's dying. The question is, How are you going to choose to live for Jesus in the time that you have remaining? See, it is a vapor. Life is a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. What are you going to choose to do today that changes everything? There's There's a writer in the Bible and his name is the Apostle Paul. And he gives us a glimpse of literally what it looks like through prayer. And he wrote many of pieces of the Bible. Many stories, many letters. And in the, in the book of Philippians, he writes something very extraordinary through a prayer. He's actually trying to coach these people and trying to pour some life into people because some people doubted this whole idea of following Jesus. 
Others were, were living out a life that was to the fullest, and, and some were living out to the lifestyle of selfishness, and some were just, honestly, there's some people in the Bible that were very, you know, if you've got some kids in here, this is the X-rated version, they were just living out a, a sexual, unhealthy lifestyle, and, and the Apostle Paul is just pouring out a lot of love over all these people. He's like, listen, this is not the way to be representing Jesus, This is not the the point of Jesus coming. We should be doing something so much more, so much grander. And when we do this, life becomes so second because we're living for him in every piece of sand that's trickling through. And so in Philippians 1 verse 9, it says this. It says, and this is my prayer. And if you've never heard this before, this is going to be beautiful to you this morning. He says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and what? More. More and more. And when you see this in the New Testament, when you see it in the writing like this coming out of the Greek, it's, it's like compound. It's like times two. It's more and more and more and more. I hope you get more. And what? Knowledge. Knowledge and depth. Gaining a heart of wisdom right? You're, you're increasing what God is wanting from us. Depth in, of insight, verse 10, so that you may be able to what? Discern. So we're able to know, knowledge, what is best and what may be pure. See, what it would look like? You made a stupid decision. I mean, don't don't everybody jump at once because I mean, I'm raising my hand. I mean, you all can sit on it like, no, I never do. Hey, those moments of clarity when we just act and we just react to the person, just cut us off down 4th Street, around the bypass, or slams on the brake in front of us. We just sort of react and you get right up and you just giving them the evil eye. And what good is that going to do you? Or maybe it's because your wife walks in and, and she just unloads her bad day and you just, instead of, you know, you just, you think about it, but all of a sudden you just go all in and you just complain too and it becomes what? A mess. You see, we just sort of react. And he's sitting there to discern what may be best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Verse 11, it says, filled with the fruit of righteousness. And this is cool because he's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, selfishness, self-control. He's talking about all these fruits that are beautiful. A lot of us struggle with just a couple of them. A lot of us, we're, just, we're struggling with just one, or maybe all, some of us are struggling with every single one of them. You're not a very patient person. You're not a very peaceful person. You're not a very, very, very joyful person. You struggle just to make it out of the day if you ain't got six cups of coffee and a Red Bull. Something's wrong with that lifestyle because you're trying to gain something from sugar versus God. Filled with the fruits of the righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So now he's getting in that chant and just, just allowing his, his words just to, just to pour out. And he just keeps on going in the next verses below. 
But this is what I have figured out in this little small portion right here this so far. You start really living when your life or when you live for something greater than you. You start really living when you live for something that's greater than you. Don't you? You start really living when you live for something greater than you. When you start living for the person next door or the you beside the you. I mean, our whole priority in life, those who follow Jesus, should to help other people so their life can draw closer to Jesus. Our whole goal in life should be to, to be full of righteousness, to be filled in the glory of the day of Jesus, to be best and maybe pure so we can discern from each second that we've been given to just live out a lifestyle that's worthy. Worthy. It should be to help others, to help other people so their life can draw closer to Jesus. A lot of us would be, if we're honest, how's your week been? Have you been able to even slightly do this, this way? Are you living total opposite lifestyle that's just pushing people away from Jesus? Because in verse 20, he says it this way. I eagerly, now eagerly, man, you're just like, you're on the verge. You're just, you're excited. It's, it's those moments of clarity. I, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no ways be what? Ashamed. Now, remember the series we just got done with? Courage, right? But we'll have sufficient. But have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, you've probably heard this before especially if you're in church. It says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. If I am going to to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, meaning I'm going to roll my sleeves and I'm going to get busy and it's time to go all in. It's going to be fruitful. Yet, what shall I choose? Because a lot of us are in that moment. We sort of just, we're debating, you know, should I do it this way or should I not do it this way? I do not know. See, the Apostle Paul, he's even kind of confused here. He's like, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. It's just really going to be good. But at the same time, I can see I'm torn. He says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But this is why it's important. To live like you're dying. To only understand you have 30 days to live. Verse 24. See, the Apostle Paul, he got it. He saw it because he was walking on the road. A lot of us walking on roads until he met Jesus and he blinded him. He brought clarity to his life because he was hurting people. He was destroying people's lives. You see, his attitude was not of Jesus. And then he encountered Christ for all his glory. And it caused him to start to, to, to understand when he, when he really started to seek out Jesus. He's like, this is great. I'm out here healing people, loving on people, and changing people's lives. And there is no better person than to follow than in Jesus. 
This is an amazing, eventful moment in my life. And I am living for the very first time. And I so want to be up there with you, Jesus. I just want to come on because these people they just don't care. People don't care. Even in the church. I've seen a lot of hate. And you know why? People like Paul are sitting here struggling with this. Because he knows how much better Jesus is. I love what the video said earlier. It's, it's ain't sexy. It's messy. Discipleship is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I fell at it daily. And I sometimes just wish, come on, Jesus, let's just get this over with. But the truth is, 24, but it is necessary for you that I remain in the body. It is necessary for you and I to finish the race that was marked out before us. It's to finish the race standing in the light, understanding that Jesus has got this under control. He wants you to lean in and trust him in ways that you've never done it before. He really wants and desires from all of us to sit there and open up our word and study it. Some of you haven't opened up your Bible in years. So how can you even understand his words when he's sitting there going, come to me, I will give you rest. But you'll go to church expecting a one-liner here, a one-liner there to fill you up. Today, Is it what you're doing? Is what you're doing worth it in the big scheme of things? In this thing we call life? If you wish to die tomorrow, is what you've been living for worth it? In the big fruitful labor of things, is it worth it? Or in other words, does it have a positive impact on others for Jesus? You see, we fill our hourglass up daily with so much sand that clogs our stem down with garbage where it cannot flow for Christ. It ties us down and eliminates us sometimes from the possibility of loving others. Sometimes we intentionally put it there because it's all about us in the first place. And we wonder... We wonder about today. We're like, oh, this is my day. Let me bring home this message with this statement. God gave you today because you didn't need it. He gave you today because someone else needed it more. You were called to be a representative of Jesus Christ who gives you strength He gave you today because someone else needed it more. They needed to see Christ in you in a way that draws them in to Jesus. So how are you being the light for him today? How are you being fruitful for him this week? How are you having a positive impact for Jesus? You see, when I see spiritual urgency then I understand spiritual priorities. When I start to see spiritual urgency, I start to run a race like I've never ran before. When you start to hear these words, you have 30 days to live, it changes everything. It changes what you care about. But what if? What if 
We just started to live that way because God commanded us to do so. See, God created a heart of wisdom in all of us. It's just for us to tap into it and to say, God, I desire more. To live day after day, chasing his glory, chasing his faithfulness, his truthfulness. And I pray this over all of us. I pray this on behalf of Jesus, that we may seek his spiritual urgency in our lives today and set a new heart after him today before we leave. And so in your seat, there's a card. Looks like this. And it can be just anything you want it to be. But on the front, it's 30 days to live. But on the back, there's a clean sheet of paper. We're getting ready to sing a song. But I wonder, what is one thing that you can start to change this week? Maybe even today. And who do you need to tell? Who is the one person that needs to be on this piece of paper that you need to share your Christ story with? Because you know, if you had 30 days to live, you needed to share it with. Who is it? And maybe it's you. Maybe you need to get right with God. Maybe for the very first time, it's you. To reach out and say, God, my life is so messed up, I need you but for others who are trying to do their best that urgency is right now right here and so who is it that you really need to share your Christ story with because the spiritual urgency of saving them because your house is on fire or your time is running up I want you to understand the spiritual priorities of what it means to love God and love others and go out riding a bull and food man chew and embrace life to the fullest and not be ashamed of the gospel and bask in the glory of the fruit that he has for all of us because this is what I know why 30 days to live now because holidays are coming up And we're going to be around family. Family will start to happen naturally. And when we get around family, what happens? There's there's turmoil over here. There's there's an in-law over here that you just don't like to connect with. Or maybe there's something that's really wrong with that person. And it's called your stepbrother. Whatever it is, would you start to lean in and trust God? And watch what happens when your family gets this right changes the course of the direction of everything and then you can start to live a lifestyle that's so amazing people are going to ask questions when your family gets it right it changes everything because when Jesus enters the house it changes everything spiritual urgency this morning I pray that you start to see the priorities that you have and the spiritual priorities that you're putting in play what do you value what are you doing Who are you impacting? This is where we're heading. And we're asking God to give us a heart of knowledge. So Jesus, thank you for this idea. It's 30 days to live. God, create in all of us just an urgency to change. 
this is more of a deep sermon, a deep idea. Some of us even struggle with the whole concept of death. But the Apostle Paul even is like, you know, man, if I'm in Christ, to, this is going to be a grandiose thing. To die is the gain. And for some of us, we are struggling with that idea because we do not want to die. We're actually afraid of it. God, teach us. Speak into us. May our hearts be filled with knowledge that comes from living an eternity with you singing holy, holy, holy. And may we live out our lifestyles for the rest of our time remaining on this earth day after day, shouting and singing. Holy is thy name. And may we see the urgency of telling our neighbor of our story in you. Jesus, in your name, amen.